Hello, everybody, and welcome to Acme Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host, Kaiju Emperor, back with uh, another uh, multi-time guest. Adrian is here. Hi, hi. Hello, hon. Um, hello, Jeff. Hello, 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 darling. <laughs> a last time, when KP was on last time, I had actually promised that Zach was going to come back on slash rad, uh, and... They really couldn't, they were going to do Rise, but for personal reasons, they really couldn't be on. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. They've been going through a lot. Yeah, it's, it's understandable. It's fine. You know, shit happens. Yeah. Real life happens. Uh, uh, but because of that, Adrian is here. Uh, had to pull the ripcord on something. Couldn't really watch a show within the interim. A lot of time. Yeah, within yeah. the allotted time. So, uh, you know, just going to watch a couple movies, and, uh, I offered a couple, but then we were like, okay, hold on, gotta do, I... uh, Atlantis and Treasure Planet today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, we gotta, we got we gotta do some of the best box office bombs. Mmm, the best of box office bombs, also part of Disney's... Post Renaissance era, but pre Second Boom, one might say, because there was like this. Basically, after the Renaissance, there was like this like slow period for Disney, where that was like. There were they weren't making hit after hit after hit anymore. It was sort of a mixed bag, in terms of success. Whether yeah. or not the, whether or not the movies were good or not is kind of up for debate, depending on which movie you're talking about. And then there was sort of like that time, and then the sort of second era which we are currently in, which kind of like exploded uh, with like Frozen. And yeah, it's the the the, bit, the main CGI era is how I call it. Like this is where most of the films are CGI and uh, 3D models, and there's not a lot of 2D animation. And if there is any 2D animation, it's like 2.5D, where there are 3D models and they are just have a filter of it to make it look 2D, kind of like Guilty Gear. Uh, currently is but more over the lines that it's just you don't see 2d anymore and mm-hmm. it's uh, a goddamn shame so i i will i don't believe i've ever gone into detail about this on this podcast specifically but for those who sort of don't know um this is relevant obviously so this is a bit of a thing for you that um most people will split up disney's specifically their animation library into eras, mm-hmm. uh, that being the golden era, which was, uh, 1937 to 1942, and that's your Snow White, Bambi, you know, etc. And then you have, uh, the wartime era, which is, like, you know, World War Two, and Disney was just kind of, like, mostly doing shorts and war propaganda. Then you had this, the Silver <laughs> Age, uh, which was, um, basically all the movies that were made right before Walt Disney's death. Mm-hmm. So, so, <clears throat> so Cinderella, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, etc. The like. Yeah, the like. And then after that you have uh, the Bronze Age, which is like also called the Dark Age, which was like 1970, 1988, 89, around there. 
and, and that's where you sort of have some really good films, but like most of it is kind of mediocre or a mixed bag. You have stuff like The Rescuers, um, Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Robin Hood, uh, The Great Mouse Detective, The Fox and the Hound. And the last movie of that era was, um, I believe, Oliver and Company. All of the ones that you have made mention of thus far uh, in these these Dark Ages do slap, I do want to fucking say. <laughs> they have just always been, like, they're, they're, they're darker in tone. So I, guess... I didn't mention the bad ones, like the Aristocats. Yeah. And <sighs> yeah. this was also when... Disney's original big bomb happened, which was The Black Cauldron. Don't... Hun, that movie don't, is I, bad. I, I, it's, it's, it's bad, but I love it. I, I like that it, movie, too. It's got a lot of cool visuals. It is, like, aesthetically got... very pleasing, but it is not a good movie. It isn't, and it makes me so sad that it isn't, because I want it to be so good so badly. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. As, as a child, I enjoyed it. And I am now, as an adult, <clears throat> accepting the fact that it wasn't <laughs> that good. Right. As much as it pains me in my heart of hearts. And then, of course, the most fami- famous Disney era being the most... One, people of our age... Or slightly younger grew up in, which is the the Renaissance, which is uh, starting with the Little Mermaid and ending with like Tarzan, because it was like eighty nine to ninety nine is the Renaissance, and Tarzan came out in ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, Although Tarzan are... is sort of like a transitional piece, because while it was sort of part of the Renaissance, it was sort of the first one that wasn't a um, musical, other than The Rescuers Down Under. I'm, I, you say that Tarzan wasn't a musical, but there was a lot of singing there, in that fucking film. It wasn't a traditional film. musical. The the music wasn't diegetic. I remember one song was diegetic. It was not. I, oh. There was one song from Tarzan. It was the one where, uh, I forget what the gorilla's name is in that film, but she went around and was fucking around with the, uh, the encampment. Oh, fucking Kurt, uh, Turk. Yeah, and that's her name. I was that, going to say Turk. That's the oh, that's the one that is it. it it's the only one. Yes, yeah, but like you can't say there was no diegetic music in that film because there was one. Is it just the only one? Yes, but it also doesn't make a musical. It does that does not make it. No, but also like look, we don't need a musical when we got Phil Collins, bitch. They made so much money for him. The, the only problem I have with and this is. Getting into, This is mainly a problem in Brother Bear, more so than in Tarzan. Mm-hmm. But especially in Brother Bear, like, a lot of... When Disney used Phil Collins, it was sort of like... Phil Collins, like, got real close to you and screamed in your ear about how you should be feeling. Yeah. Um, But after that, you have the post-Renaissance, which is a real mixed bag. Truly, yeah. you have... Um, some, some real gems. You have Lilo and Stitch, The Emperor's New Groove, uh, the two movies we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but then you also have Dinosaur. 
Yeah, I remember liking that, but it's... I could have just been in the, the the veneer of it's dinosaurs and I'm fucking 12. Chicken Little. Chicken Little was also a mixed bag. Home on the Range. I believe that cow is trans, and so I must support it. Unfortunately, the cow is voiced by Roseanne, so... No, no, no. Is that... No, not, not that one. The other one. Uh... It was the other fucking cow movie that they did recently. That's not Disney, hun. You're thinking uh, of Back at the Barnyard. That is, that is what I'm thinking That's how forgettable of. Home on the Range is. Yes, it is, apparently, because I don't think I've ever seen it. But also, fuck Roseanne. Uh, Fantasia 2000, which is not as good as the original Fantasia. A hot take I have heard from you today. It is. It is not as good as the original Fantasia. It just isn't. Nothing, like... Firebird is the best short in Fantasia 2000, and it's not as good as, like, A Night on Bald Mountain. Which is, like, it it never gets to be as good as the original Fantasia. Unfortunately. There are some good shorts in it. Don't get it twisted. It's just not as good as the original Fantasia. Uh, We can agree to disagree, but... And then, like I talked about, there's the Revival era, which is, like, 2010 to now. Which is, like, you know, Big Hero 6, Frozen, Princess and the Frog, Wreck-It Ralph, Tangled. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Princess and the Frog being the last of the uh, 2D animated films. How, 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 how badly... Well, no, the the new Winnie the Pooh movie was 2D. Was it? Yes. Hang on. Interesting. I hadn't heard about this one yet. Mm-hmm. It's good. I haven't seen it yet, so... Yep, you okay. should. It's, it's a Winnie the Pooh movie, so it's gonna be good. There's not a... None of them are bad. You say that, but Winnie the Pooh just came into public domain, and we have a horror movie coming I out. I said none of it. none of the ones Disney... Let me rephrase that. None of the ones Disney did are bad. <laughs> okay, because... <laughs> uh... Except maybe... I don't know about that live-action one, uh, but... I don't... I haven't seen it. Celevi. But, um, anyway, uh, as I've stated before, the upkeep segment is kind of gone at this point because that was me and Laser's thing. Yeah. And even, but I mean, right before Laser left, the upkeep wasn't a thing anymore, mainly because everything we were talking about during the upkeep was either over, on break, or both. <laughs> Um, like Amphibia is over. DuckTales is over. The Owl House is on break. And will be soon over, much to my chagrin. It will be over <laughs> in October. <laughs> I just want like I I am frothing at the mouth for We both are. For the, the end of the Owl House. Um but anyway, I mean, we can always go over the upkeep of hey, where you've been watching Monster. I we both have been watching Monster, and honestly, spoiler alert for anybody who's listening to this: at, when me and Adrian finish Monster, we might just do an episode where Adrian and I talk about Monster. It's really fucking good and really fucking dark, and like. It has gotten to the point where it's so dark, it's like, hey, we should probably have a buffer show between We should. We shit. should have another show that we're also watching. 
Because God, it's getting dark. We need a we need our another show in the rotation. It's it's, it's so dark, and I need a, a place where I could be like happy thoughts, happy thoughts. I did suggest a couple of things like uh, watching amph- Amphibia, watching and... Amphibia, uh, and we'll probably will watch Futo Pi, but that might not be the show we because it's 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 our, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. And... I, I do want to see it, but also, uh, I, 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 I have been ahem-heming a little bit. Like, I don't know if it's going to be as good as, you know, Double is. It probably will I love Double. I loved Double. I loved Double so much. And, uh, I just don't, I, I, I don't want my boys to be fucking of Double, we could also watch Tiger Mask Double. Hmm. I've, I've, that's been on the list for a while. Tiger Mask Double. We could, we could. We'll, we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit of this more privately. Yeah, Tiger in, Tiger in Mask time. Double is so silly. Mm, I do need silly. The uh, Amphibia is also just... silly, uh, but also like uh, season one, silly frog show. End of season one, everything is suffering. Everything happens, and so then much. sees, and then everything. And it's like, oh, silly frog show again, suffering. <laughs> Amphibia is so fucking good, and so fucking suffering. <laughs> it is so fucking suffering. You're not prepared for when Amphibia gives you the gut punch. Rest in peace. Uh, but the upkeep isn't over. But we still do have weeks. But since Adrian and I basically see each other all the time. Yeah, we're like either in a group call with a bunch of other friends or in a private group call watching Monster or just talking to each other on Discord or whatever, you know, like couples do. So it it would mostly be the things that we've been doing on our own time that the audience doesn't know about. Yeah, which uh, I do have one that I have been working on, uh, mostly just today because I had the fucking... The, the brain worm last night mm-hmm. before I went to bed, and I was like, fuck, I want to do that. Mm. So I started working on it this morning. Um, I'm working on homebrew shit again. Like, uh, I had a homebrew, like, starter game that I wanted to make for, like, people who are not into D&D and want to get into D&D and want to, like, be eased into the concepts that D&D holds. Mm. I started a while ago. I think I looked at my file for this. It was, like, started in, like, 2020. Mm. And uh, it's just, like, a really simple, newbie-friendly Dungeons & Dragons homebrew game that I started working on. And it's set in the same world... As the two other homebrews that I've made, uh, my world of Alvera and Malia, uh, Alvera being one of the continents on this 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 world, and Malia being one of the other ones, um, and uh, I I I've been like getting really deep into it, and I'm like fuck, I forgot how much I loved Alvera, <laughs> and like just the uh, the the Alvera like continent and the world i created and the gods i created and actually writing on this a little bit more and i'm just like sitting here it's like wow why did i stop doing homebrew <laughs> and then i remember uh the last time i touched this was 2020 it was like oh yeah that's why 
Oh, well, yeah, no, that, that, mm. <laughs> It's the coronavirus that fucking broke my entire want to live and want to write because I didn't know how much I'd be writing because I was afraid I would die. The panorama. That good old panini. The pedantic. <laughs> no, that's me. Mm. It's also Maddie. I'm more so, I believe. Oh, but, um, but the homebrew, but there's a reason I'm, I'm constantly thinking about homebrew shit, like specifically all my fucking homebrew subclasses that I'm always working on or magic items or spells or whatever. And then the homebrew setting that I've talked about a couple times with this podcast, but everybody knows about my fantasy Japan setting called Oto. Yeah, there, I I had forgotten that I did also make a a my own personal like fantasy Japan in Alvera. I don't think um the two place the two homebrews that I made ever went to uh, Matajima, hmm. but Matajima is is there and there is uh the cities I had made specifically for it were the city of Aina, the city of um, I believe it is Kentaro and the city of Jiushu. So, like, what... My Japan, fantasy Japan, is, like, uh, like, Tokugawa era slash post-Sengoku, like, Warring States era. Is yours Sengoku era, or... What? Uh, as much as I love the Sengoku era, and... God, if you know me, you know I love the Sengoku era. Jesus Christ fucking Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I actually wanted to put Matajima, uh, once again, I didn't have a lot on it because the two games that I ran didn't really go there, and so it's very, very, like, basically fresh out. It doesn't have a lot to it. It has a few names, a few, like, key places, uh, but other than that, I haven't really worked hard on it, but I think I was, had remembered designing it to be uh, post-Edo. Mm, okay. So, in that, like, instance of time period, so, like, right. guns were a thing, like, guns were, like, a, an established thing, but it's, uh, there are still, you know, the, the, the whole Ronin shit. I, I was, I believe I had started working on Matajima before we had found out about Rorone Kenshin's mangaka, and it was, like, heavily inspired off of Rorone Kenshin's, like, time period. But then we found out about Rorone Kenshin's mangaka, <laughs> and that was a problem. But I still think that that time period in and of itself is I mean, is yeah, really don't, let, don't let fucking one author ruin a, a cool time period. Yeah, I, I mean, fuck, if that were the case, uh, uh, fucking the classics would have been ruined for me by now. Yeah. But nope, I'm still a giant Rome nerd, despite every fucking dude bro in the goddamn existence being like, oh yeah, well Rome had XYZ and it was fine. I was like, no, it fucking wasn't, you absolute chode. Rome had a lot of cool stuff, but it was also terrible in a lot of play in a lot of ways. It in so many ways. Like Rome had fucking concrete. Concrete, it, baby. It took people thousands of years to refigure out how to make the roman concrete mm -hmm. because they were so fucking like they they couldn't comprehend why it wasn't working 
when the whole the recipe was right in front of them it was uh, a certain amount of like uh, stone particles a certain amount of xyz and then they said water but they didn't realize where rome is and like the conquest of like rome it's italy is a fucking peninsula of course they were using salt water right duh yeah i cannot believe i cannot believe yeah, the chemical, just, chemical uh, reactions, baby. Chemical reactions. There were also there were also other mixtures that were in different parts of the Roman Empire that I believe worked similarly, but in place of the uh, salt in the seawater, the chemical reaction came from volcanic ash. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially around places like Vesuvius and yeah, shit like that, much. which would have, which you know, obviously the 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 large you know, ash and eruption that destroyed Pompeii and there was lava. It destroyed Herculaneum. I do want to put that out. Herculaneum was a city that was also affected by Vesuvius. Uh, lava did happen during the explosion of Pompeii. Herculaneum got hit by lava because it was on the other side. Mm-hmm. I actually got really in big trouble one time at school for fucking correcting a guest speaker on that. They was like, um, I, I did the fucking, um, actually shit. And I was like, fucking 17 can't believe so you I'm... mansplained <laughs> a grown-ass man i a 17 year old trans mask mansplained a fucking grown-ass man on his bullshit how could you do this he does he deserved it he fucking spouted off wrong information fuck that guy uh... <laughs> i'm sorry i'm the way i am <laughs> no i love you the way you are Daw. despite your flaws <laughs> I thought, including my flaws, go fuck yourself. That was the joke. Asshole. No. Um, but, um... Anything you feel like worth mentioning? Off the top of, uh, the dome piece, not much. Other than the, I was working on homebrew. Right. Most of this morning and this afternoon. Mm Because I got into the groove. Yeah, the, um... The main thing in terms of, like, uh, media consumption uh, that I was partaking in before uh, before this episode. I mean, obviously I was watching Rise for uh, mm-hmm. th- the podcast, which I did enjoy, and we I probably will eventually talk about that show. Uh just might not it, it would just be later but yeah. um other than rise i was also you you were there when i talked i've been i talked about it a couple of times but i read basically halfway through chainsaw man yeah yeah you've been really expounding on the 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 lore behind it and the stupid shit that the main character wants and desires and the manipulator bitch that is like, mm, I'm gonna give this to you, but also kill this guy for me. Basically, Chainsaw Man is 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 good, and then you get uh, to a certain point. Uh, I there's a there's a real hard turn point in terms of like how I feel about Chainsaw Man, where it's like, yeah, this is a fun and cool manga. Uh, to this is a great manga, mm-hmm. which is there's the arc called uh, the Bomb Devil arc, and that arc 
I was so fucking sad, man. It made me cry. And the that manga is is so stupid and silly. Like t- two chapters before the end of that arc, fucking the main character Denji is riding on a shark devil using his chainsaw chains like as like reins while fighting a giant typhoon devil. So literally shark sharknadoing. And then two chapters later, I want to die. It is so. This is so sad. Why would you do this to me? Ugh. And I don't want to give anything away because I know we're probably going to watch the the Mappa anime that's coming out of Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Uh, I'm super looking forward to that adaptation because Mappa, I've been killing it because they they were the ones who did Jujutsu. Yeah. So I uh, another thing I've been meaning to watch, mostly because I saw a single Tumblr post that read, uh, and I'm paraphrasing at this point. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen is about two absolutely batshit crazy men who are terrible but are perfect for one another, but they're exes, and so they make everybody else they th- so they make that everybody else's problem. You will love Jujutsu. <laughs> And that is the reason why I want to watch yeah, it. <laughs> you will love Jujutsu mainly because Jujutsu Kaisen is what happens when a mangaka, through most of their life, their two favorite manga were Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter Hunter. And then they were like, okay, I'm going to combine these two things. And I'm also a really big fan of, like, body horror <laughs> and horror in general so when togashi and junji ito meet basically that's jujutsu i am thrilled to bits <laughs> it it is it is a sh- it is a shonen that ignores a lot of the pitfalls that a lot of modern shonen kind of fall into while also like having a lot of the the best things that shonens have like cool power systems and cool fights and cool but but then enemies it, hmm? cool and cool enemies and stupid fucking protags yes yes stupid protags but it avoids like one of the big pitfalls of like negative fan service of you know our underage female characters we thank you god like like actively negative fan service you like our our outfits cover our entire fucking body you will get nothing sir you lose good day good day sir there are other women in the show that you can that are hot and who we will give hot moments to and that's Leave what you'll get, al- and you'll like it. <laughs> Leave them kids alone, bastard! Go away. Um, but yeah, dude, uh, looking forward to watching... Maybe we should do that between Hunt, uh, Monster and Jujutsu Kaisen. We could do that. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, actually, we might, because Scarlet was maybe talking about wanting to do that for the podcast, so... Hmm. 
that that uh, that would give us like what four weeks or so to watch Jujutsu. Which and yeah. it's only twenty six episodes. Yeah, that's not that much. It's not. We've got time. We've got time. Uh, next episode will be uh, well, the new guest on, but I'll save the, I'll save that for the end of the episode when I tease mm-hmm. what the next show is going to be. Tee hee. Um, little little scamp. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a little bitch. But yeah, there's a bunch of manga adaptations that I, that are finally coming out. Because hey, it's the fall anime season's coming soon, right? Yeah, baby. Fucking... We should be getting uh, the new Spy Family. New Spy Family. JoJo's coming back. Thank fucking Christ! I've been waiting to see girls again for fucking. Eight months. Jojo, um, fucking Blue Lock. The animes. I've been super looking forward to the Blue Lock anime. We're gonna watch that. Uh, and um, there's also been teases for other manga adaptations that I've been wanting. Uh, they finally showed like proper teasers for the Kaiju Number Eight anime. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, Mashal anime. Hmm. God, I'm s- I can't wait for the Mashal anime. And the Kaiju number 8 anime. Uh. Those- those manga are already popular. They're gonna be so fucking popular when those animes come out. Yeah. That's the thing, right, is that manga now, it's not- it's not like a companion piece to the manga anymore. Anime is like marketing for the manga. Yeah. Because when an anime comes out that's really good, people will go buy the manga. Like, look what happened to Demon Slayer. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Demon Slayer and Jujutsu like outsold One Piece this year. And Demon Slayer's been over for, like, over a year, and it's still outsold One Piece. Oh, man. <laughs> That's saying something. Mm-hmm. That is saying a fucking lot. It's, 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 it's a number of factors. It's the, you know, the mark, the shift away from the market said, like, you know, more people getting into uh, the Shonen Jump Plus. Like, so some of those... Uh, things are on Shonen Jump Plus, so they're easier to access, but also, like, yeah. the an- those really, really good animes, and then, like, One Piece having this problem of not being able to get new people reading One Piece. That is a problem that I am, unfortunately, a, a member of, because I-, I used to read One Piece when I was, you know, subscribed to Shonen Jump, when it was le- released over here in America, um... And I would read One Piece along with the rest of the stuff that was in Shonen Jump. And it got to a point where, uh, because I wasn't uh, getting my Shonen Jump anymore, I stopped after, I think, about two or three years. So I had, like, a fucking collection of Shonen Jump, like, just stacked in my closet when I was living in Cincinnati. Um, But I would not keep up with stuff that I enjoyed because it was I was no longer reading Shonen Jump anymore and it was a little bit more convoluted to get it 
like in my hands either in uh, a digital way or even in a physical way i was not buying comics at the time i was you know saving money and buying other stupid shit off of fucking amazon mm-hmm. and just like i was at the point that i'm remembering specifically i was buying computer parts to make my fucking rig that i have now right and uh one piece just got so fucking massive because it was it was a little far along when i started reading into it uh in shonen jump and after a while it just kept going and going the motherfucker keeps going and going and has not stopped the, the, so it's like it's it's like a it's like a Sisyphean task at this point. I I I want to start it. I would like to start it again, but it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And at this point, it just looks like it's too big of a fucking task to start. I mean, once and it's, I, once I it's and over. I'm I'm not a uh, yeah, and I'm not a superhuman like laser who will fucking read everything in like two fucking weeks. That must have turned into soup. In his brain, I I, I love the man. Like that. There's so much information. Like there's One Piece is dense with world building and character information. It's one of the things that's great about One Piece. It's it the... One Piece's greatest like aspect is one of its biggest flaws is that like there's so it's... much and it has such a dense and amazing world, but there's so much of it. There's so much. <laughs> Yeah, I that's that's really kept uh, me away from it. I know personally because it's just it, it it's too much. I think the the best compliment that anyone people people who still read One Piece can laud at One Piece is that it has been going on for ten thousand and fifty plus chapters, like one thousand and fifty plus chapters. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it's still good. That's crazy. That never happens. Looks at Naruto. Looks at Bleach. Yeah. Looks at Dragon Ball. There are some people who would argue with that one. Uh, I am not that person. I Listen, you can argue me to your blue in the face that the Majin Buu arc is the greatest arc ever, but you will not succeed. I like the Majin Buu arc. And it's you will so not bad. I liked it. I liked this funny pink guy. Yeah, and then he turned into another pink guy who was less interesting, and then he turned into a literal child, and then by that yeah. time I stopped caring. Yeah. And then it was like, we're going to introduce like three different mechanics to beat Boo, and none of them worked. So let's just rely on the spirit bomb, that, that thing that has never worked. But it did this time for some reason. As long as it works this one time. It it didn't work on Vegeta. It didn't work on Frieza. And then now it works. Yep. Even though, like... uh, I'm not not gonna get into my Dragon Ball spiel on this fucking podcast right now. (laughs) You're like an ass hair away from doing it. I can't. I literally can't. That's another episode. That is another whole that's, ass that's episode. That's an episode I have to have with my, my friend who's really into Dragon Ball. I believe in you. Man has an entire YouTube channel dedicated to, to Dragon Ball. He, he, Truly. The, the, he fucking, the passion. He... Do you know anything about the 
the Dragon Ball dub, like Dragon Ball Z specifically? Uh, I'm not as familiar. I, I like obviously I watched the dub growing up. Um, but I'm not the biggest fan of Dragon Ball. I'm only like, yeah, I liked it, but it's like, it wasn't a thing for me to enjoy. It was a thing for me to watch after school when Toonami was on to not listen to my parents and ignore my homework because I had untreated ADHD and, uh, this was the only thing that was moderately interesting at the time of, uh, airing next to Yu Yu Hakusho. I, I asked this because I need to know if you know who Bruce Faulkner is. Uh, that name does not ring a bell, no. So Bruce Faulkner was the composer for the dub of hmm. Dragon Ball. Like, he, they had a di- completely different soundtrack compared to the original Japanese, and he composed... Uh, all the music in the dub. Uh, his most famous being like Perfect Cells uh, theme, which is even like absolutely strong haters of the Dragon Ball dub will say that Cells theme by like composed by Bruce Faulkner is mm-hmm. Saint Magnifique. Uh, I say this because my friends went to, I think it was Austin, Texas, and interviewed him. Wow. Yeah, crazy. He also went to, like, the... Hold on, I'll post the Perfect Cell theme here. Uh, Went to, uh, I forgot what it's called, the, um... Essentially Adult Swim Studios with some of his, like, buds and, like, got merch there and hung out with some of the people who work at, like, Adult Swim... Like, William Street. Yeah. That's that's wild. Yeah. It's crazy. Um but anyway, uh that long diatribe about Dragon Ball over. Yeah. That that that, that long spiel aside. That long spiel aside, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about uh Atlantis and Treasure Planet. We'll see you then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. And welcome back to Acme Podcast Incorporated. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we didn't discuss which one we were talking about first. Uh, let's do Atlantis because it's alphabetical. Yeah, I was. I mean, I mean, it was also. I think we've watched it first. Also, we, we did watch it first. Also, because I think also the reason we watched it first because it was listed first on the. It was also we watched it. Yeah, and it was also uh, released first between the two. It was released first. That yes, is also it true. it was released June 15th in 20... 2001. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it had to contend against Lurecroft, Tomb Raider, The Fast and the Furious, and Shrek. So, it was pretty much doomed to fail. Yeah. Atlantis The Lost Empire was directed by Gary Truesdale Kirk- Kirkwise with screenplay by uh, Tal Murphy. Story by Kirkwise and Gary Truesdale. Uh, also, Joss Whedon? Uh, Joss Whedon? No, 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 no. I read into this. Joss Whedon was, like, supposed to work on it, and then he dropped it and had no right. significant touchings on it. I read about this. I got concerned, right. too. It's right. not a Joss Whedon shit stick. It is not. Listen, Joss Whedon... I don't hate Joss Whedon as much as other people do, because, like, Buffy is still... I, I still like Buffy. I no. I enjoy Buffy, uh, it is still a product of its time, and unfortunately, oh, yeah, no. Joss Whedon has not grown Kane. with the times. 
Like he so, was like really he was really uh pushing the boundaries at the time and, and then now, he never like went beyond that. Yeah. That being said, the animation style for Atlantis is uh credited to uh Mike Mignolo, the mind behind Hellboy. So yeah. uh yeah, I was like, I always was like, I really like Atlantis. I really like Hellboy. They look really similar. I never knew why until I actually like looked into their things. Yeah, the other uh, other story people were Bryce Abel, Jackie Abel, and uh, also Tad Murphy, also um, who has also did the screenplay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Mike Mignola was like one of the big um, storyboard and like uh, animation, not animation, but sort of like art directors. Yeah, he he kind of really push the push the envelope when it came to what the character designs are supposed to look like and yeah I, I think one of my favorite things about this was the the making of and when mike came on and he said when i came in they had all these things on the wall it was like here's how you draw like mike Mignolo. and mike does this mike does that etc cetera, etc cetera. he says i didn't i actually had to ask the lady who made the boards uh half of it because i don't know how i draw i that's just how i draw <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> I this is that. Mike, man. And then, um, in terms of a uh, cast, in terms of cast, uh, Milo James Platt, that just played by Michael J. Fox. Uh, James Garner plays Commander Lyle Tiberius Wark. Fucking <laughs> wow, what a name! Yeah, <laughs> that's such a good name. Uh, Cree Summer plays uh, Kidakakash Nedak or Kida. And Don Novella plays Vincenzo Vinny Santorini. Love that. Man. Phil Morris plays uh, Dr. Joshua Strong Bear Sweet. Claudia Kirsten plays Lieutenant Kelda Katrina Sinclair. Three first names. Uh, Jack- Jacqueline Oberdor uh, plays Audrey Rocio Ramirez. Florence Stanley plays Wilhelmina Bertha Packard. Oh. David Ogan Steers plays Fenton Q. Harcourt. Steers, Mal- not Steers. Steers, yes. Steers. Uh, John Steers. Maloney plays... Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Harcourt. Uh, John Maloney plays Preston B. Whitmore. Jim Varney. Rest in peace, Jim Varney. Yes, plays Jebediah Alderus Cookie Farnsworth. There's a reason they called him Cookie and not all of that shit. <laughs> Jebediah Alderus Farnsworth. What a fucking name. What a fucking name. The man, the myth, the legend, Corey Burton, is Gaetan Mole Moliere. God, I love Corey Burton. And, of course, the real man, the myth, the legend, Leonard Nimoy, plays uh, Kasha Kim the Duck, a.k.a. Keita's dad, a.k.a. the king. But, mm-hmm. fuck, I forgot Corey Burton was in this. Mm-hmm. Dudes and fucking everything. Literally and everything, I, yeah. I don't know if we've ever, like, talked about anything he's been in on this show yet, though? Question mark? No, we talked about so. Chippendale. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, he was, um, Chippendale. Uh, but, uh, most people might know him for being the voice of Captain Hook. Uh, mm-hmm. Ludwig von Drake. Uh, also the, the, um, did you ever watch the, uh, Gendy Tartakovsky Transformers or the Clone Wars at all? I believe I did, yes. It's been you know a, how, a minute. You know how they couldn't get Christopher Lee to voice Dooku? Yes. Corey Burton is Dooku. Oh, jeez. And if you, if you watch the Clone Wars and Gendy, it's like, he sounds just like Christopher 
properly. That's 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 wild. Holy shit. Yeah. He also played Cad Bane. Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, Hugo Strange in Arkham City. You know. That that's astonishing. Hold up. Mm-hmm. The man has range. He has the range, darling. He has the range. He was Anson the Wise in Kingdom Hearts. Jesus Christ. He's Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story 3, specifically. 3. You know, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. I didn't even know that, because he does such a good impression. Truly. I... What the fuck? Like, he... He's in everything. He's he's in Transformers. He was in G.I. Joe. He's in The Gummy Bears. He was in the original DuckTales. He was in... I just said Rescue Rangers. He was in Goof Troop. Uh, he was in, uh, Darkwing Duck. He was in Bonkers. Uh, fucking Mighty Max, Quack Pack, Dexter's Laboratory, Superman the Animated Series, Freakazoid. Girl, bad. Batman Beyond. It'd be easier to tell you what he wasn't in. Yeah, probably. Like, holy shit. He is one of the legends that most people don't know about. And they should. They should. Corey Burton does an amazing job in this. And, of course, Cree Summer as well. Yeah, uh, Cree Summers actually uh, has made mention in later, like, interviews that um, Kida was her favorite <laughs> role to do and right. that she considers Kida, like, an unsung Disney princess. She should be in the Disney princess lineup. She should be in the Disney princess lineup. She At least she's actually a fucking princess, unlike some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tiana's only a princess by marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I fucking mean, fucking... Pocahontas isn't a fucking princess. She was a chieftain's daughter, and that's not that's a princess. That's not a princess. And also was 11. <laughs> well, not in the movie. Not in the movie, but, like, IRL Pocahontas is... Well, yeah, but we don't... We're, we're not gonna get to the historical inaccuracies of fucking Pocahontas. There are so many of them. It is the worst Disney Renaissance film. Also, just one of the worst Disney films ever. One of them. One of them. The only good thing in it is Colors of the Wind. That's it. Fight me. I liked Just Around the River Bend, personally. But that was amazing. It's, it's, it's fine. Colors of the Wind is sort of like the song from that movie. Yeah. And it is really good. Everything else about that movie is absolute trash. Although I have a guilt, a sort of guilty pleasure soft spot for savages. Uh, yeah, it is an unfortunate. It's a it's a terrible like the the concept behind the song terrible. The song itself kind of a bob, and you're just like, God fucking damn it! Why does this rule? Ugh. I mean, it also it also does have two of. Two some two really good lines, one being "these white men are dangerous," and then they, two, right. and when Radcliffe is like, "now why do you think they attacked us?" and then there's a guy who goes, "well we uh, stomped on their land, cut down their trees, and dug up their earth." No, yeah. they want their gold. Yeah, like duh, like it's like oh yeah, of course. How oh. silly of me. How silly of me. God, um, but yeah. Uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, was sort of like a, um, what happened was with this film was the team who basically worked on Hunchback were like, 
this is a really good team. We need to keep these guys together because we know that they could work on something. They, and they, then immediately just like kept them together and just started like, hey, let's go work on this new project with uh, Atlantis. Yeah, which they they had decided to do that early on, but the the concept and the like the technology that they wanted to do to use for uh, Atlantis hadn't really been developed all that well yet, and so they yeah, were like, well, mm-hmm. we can't really do it right now because we have such fucking like monumental plans for this so let's work on a couple other things before then mm-hmm. and then then we'll get to do atlantis it, uh, it, was be- it was because like atlantis the original cut required extensive use of digital tools and mm-hmm. you know whatnot and like at, at that point the only the first film that disney had ever done that used extensive amounts of digital tools were was fucking the rescuers down under yeah and that had, like, just come out a few years back uh, to Hunchback. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the use of digital tools was not as, like, prolific at the time that Hunchback came out. Uh, yeah. Uh, the film, fantastic, though. Jesus Christ. I, can't, I, I constantly quote it. It is one of those easily, intensely quotable films. Like... There- I'm always quoting something from Vinny or like my favorite, favorite line from this film is one of the last thing Rourke says, which is, well, congratulations, you've won the solid gold Cupid doll, which I always say and nobody gets. I know. I know. You do. But like the rest of the fucking plebs we talked. (laughs) I love them. They're not plebs. They are just uneducated in the ways of I have a, an extensive library of quotes from Disney films. The only the one that I quote like the most is carrots. Why is it always carrots? And I never even eat carrots. I didn't even eat carrots. Uh, and that's like one of those ones that nobody thinks about but me. I love that line. <laughs> like it was a constant like battle to like do what I when we were watching this because we watched it in uh, a voice call with everybody and we were all having a good time because some of the people hadn't seen them yet and um it was like a constant battle of either uh you or i fucking opening our mouths to quote along with the movie and everybody else being like shut the fuck up trying to watch Mm. a show including me and you yeah because both of us were like we gotta shut up we can't keep quoting this movie and then we just kept doing it (laughs) we kept doing it because we're assholes and this film is too good like my favorite scene in the whole movie is Vinny explaining his backstory it's prom you know like the one you put on the wrist and they go oh this is so sweepy it doesn't match my dress it was a nightmare (laughs) like the the, I believe the... he improvised most of his lines. I he remember... improvised all of his lines. Yeah, like they, they, he gave them the script and he just looked at it and just tossed it aside and just improvised for the rest of the He read film. it once and then never read it again. So everything that comes out of that fucking character's mouth, he just improvised, which Thank is God. really funny. Uh, the, 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 the beauty of taking improv classes something i desperately need to do i took improv a lot in high school i uh i would love to get an actual like an improv class but i don't think there's any around here right now i mean improv is one of the reasons i'm such a good dm uh i think it's uh me working hard on like just character development in general and being an author 
I think really helps my 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 generalization. Everyone has their own strength. Yeah. Also, the improv thing helps with the um, me and my extensive character voice repertoire. Absolutely. Um, but that aside, the this film is actually really sort of like a completely objectively speaking, it is um from a, a just sort of technical standpoint, one of the most impressive animated films of that era. I mean, still to this day, like we were watching it. Yeah. It still looks fantastic. Like even we were watching it and it was like, not the best quality, uh, but all the same, like had we had producers in 2001 and like the years leading up to that 2001, had they had, the like the the resolution that we have now today oh my god this film would be fucking phenomenally beautiful it's I mean, already isn't... still phenomenally beautiful it's it's fantastic there is an hd re-release so i mean imagine what that film looks like with the the crisp oh i need to buy that blu-ray oh give it to me yeah there's an hd re-release of this film um much like most of the disney library yeah I believe they recently, uh, last year, they had, like, Disney had, like, tweeted out a thing about Atlantis. I mean, like, happy 20th anniversary, because it's, uh, 21 years old. Yep. The, there oh, were... So there were a... <laughs> Jesus Christ. There were a lot of, like, super interesting things about this film, um, that are... For people like you and me who just, mm-hmm. like, you know, want to watch three hours of how someone made a movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh, the the extended editions of Lord of the Rings making up have spoiled me on yeah. the making of literally anything. Yeah, if it's not over an hour and a half long, I don't fucking want it. I got, I <laughs> love the extended edition making ofs of Lord of the Rings so much. <laughs> They're so fucking good. But, um... Like, there's a lot of stuff that was, like, cut that I, it's, like, most of it was, like, yeah, I, I, I get why they cut that. Like, the, the opening, for those who don't know, uh, in the original cut of the film, the opening scene wasn't Akita uh, and the destruction of Atlantis. It was actually a scene of, like, the history of the Shepherd's Journal, and it was going to be, like, a bunch of Vikings searching for And fighting Atlantis. over it, yeah. Yeah, Atlantis and fighting over it, and then they would be attacked by uh, the Leviathan, and then they would sink into the ocean, and it would, the final shot would have been the, the Shepherd's Journal floating in the ocean. And then we would smash cut to Milo in 1914. Yeah, and like, there was just a lot that they had to cut, and I know, because we, we were talking about it whilst we were watching this, uh, the fact that there is a lot of, like, time in... Uh, in the, like, the sink trap that uh, Milo had made mention of. like Yeah, the, the, the first act is quite long. Yeah, it's it's so long, and so when we actually finally get to Kida, had they kept that Viking scene in, we would have had no connection with her. But yeah, that They had made mention in the making of, is like, well, how about this? Uh, make it the story about her as a little girl at the first shot of the shot, and how Atlantis fell when she was just a little four-year-old. Yeah, and, and have, it would make yeah. everything connect better with her. And mm-hmm. when we finally see her uh, taking up the mask, we'd be like, "That's her. That's the little girl." Yeah, and they had like cut the film and like put it together with that 
scene in mind that was fully animated and colored and everything. But then they test screened it, and someone was like, you're going to hate me for saying this. Yeah. And they said that, and then all everybody looked at him and went, ah, he's fucking right. right, though. He's fucking right. God he's damn right, it. I, I hate that he's right, but he's right. Um, th- that's the main... Th- this is circling to, like, sort of the main problem with this movie, which is, like, its first act is the best part. It's like, one ex- of the most ex- quotables. It, once, once they're at Atlantis, it starts to take, like, a very slow decline, especially once we reach the third act, and it doesn't pick back up again until we reach the climax. Yeah, it's the unfortunate part. Like, the, the, the second act is much weaker compared to the first act, mainly due to the fact that, like, we have to sideline these, like, secondary characters that are sort of like the best part of the film that we've kind of met and endeared ourselves to to the first act like honestly as much as i like kita like the fact that her story has to like supersede these other characters that that we we, we've grown to love the past fucking hour and a half exactly and it's like it's important and her character is important and she serves a purpose it's just that it sucks that we couldn't have had more of our our group, the 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 characters that we had endeared ourselves to throughout the the rest of the second act and the third act. Yeah. Uh KP had made mention that it would have been really impressive if they had like given it like 10 more minutes and we mm. had uh them going around and meeting people especially the Atlanteans and like learning this is the one of the main people who cook and this was one of the main people who fish and all that happy stuff and like had them going around the markets a little bit longer and cultural exchange yeah cultural exchanging stuff it would have been a lot more endearing and we would yeah. have probably had a lot more, like, connections to, like, these side characters coming up uh, as we are going to face Rourke uh, in the end climax and being like, okay, so that's that guy and that's that guy. And I know who these people are now. Yeah. It, it, honestly, we could have served with a, um, you know how El Dorado's second act is basically that? Yeah. Especially with Miguel. His yeah. character. Yeah, him going uh, around and, like, going and meeting people. Yeah, we could have... that. This film could have r- really needed that with our other characters. El Road to El Dorado had its own problems, but, like, that's not one of them. Yeah, Road to El Dorado has so many problems. <laughs> Road to El Dorado so, has so many problems. It's so good, but it's there's so, so many problems. But there's so many problems. So uh, many uh, more uh, than uh, this movie. Uh, uh, another of the films that uh, are added to my endless repertoire of films that I quote consistently. <laughs> Honestly, the what the scene that I quote the most from that movie is just like, you drank the seawater, didn't you? <laughs> where did you get that? And where was she keeping them? Both? Both. Both, Both is, is good. good. They wish to bask. They wish to bask. Anyway, we, we're not talking about the Road to El Dorado. That's another episode. That is another episode that I must be on. <laughs> we'll talk about it with Sinbad. I I have that. I have the combined Road to El Dorado Sinbad DVD collection. That is also not a good movie. Also not a good movie. Also an in- endlessly quotable movie. God, uh, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> that is also another episode I need to be on. But that is uh, another point. Yeah, the uh, Atlantis suffers from this, like... 
third act problem where yeah. the main, it's not so much like the pacing isn't the problem it's that like you have this first act where its best aspect is this like really interesting cast of like varied characters and like how we even like I said endeared ourselves to them and then they just kind of like are not there and then the third act is like they betray you mm-hmm. and that just feels weird like it just kind of ruins a lot of the things you like about them in the movie. I mean, like, they, they turn around at the end, obviously, but, like, it just... It's like we sideline them, and then the next time we see them do, like, mostly anything relevant, it's like, oh, yeah, they're bad guys, I guess, and then... They're bad guys because it's all about the money, and then they... They're bad guys for, like, five minutes, and yeah, then... Yeah, and then, like, Audrey is the first to step up because we can always count on a uh, a 16-year-old Latin woman uh, Technically, be... sweet is the first one uh he yeah he kind of is like hey we shouldn't do this uh yeah because because when everybody's about to leave he's still in the throne room taking care of the king yeah he's still taking care of uh leonard nimoy yeah (laughs) i would have liked way more like con like more conflict like more of them being conflicted about it and like honestly kind of like following that thread of them being endeared to Milo, just as he was endeared to them, like there's, I don't know exactly how, like even not even if you just had even if you had that ten minutes of like the um, the thing we talked about, there's there it still would feel like something was missing. It, this movie needed to be longer. It really did, uh, and that was like just not a thing that happened, especially at this time in Disney. Like I, they had such a very formulaic like first second third act and the time had to be x and if it went over x then it had to be y and it could not be between those two times so like even like it was either this was a two hour movie or an hour and 30 minute movie and it generally vaguely resided along the hour and a half movie and Mm -hmm. unfortunately this was one of the hour and a half movies and it needed to be a two hour movie but they didn't give that to musicals. And even though this wasn't a musical in the way that musicals were for Disney, they just didn't They didn't have the you time. You mean they didn't, they didn't give it to animated movies, period? They didn't give it to animated movies at all, no. Like, uh, the a- animated, even nowadays, animated films do not get to be two hours. Uh, it, yeah. Uh, the the only there's there are very few movies that are longer uh, animated movies that are longer than an hour and a half like um the incredibles yeah the incredibles is like almost is like t- just touching you know and so the incredibles 2 also like they're both uh, incredibles 1 is like 115 116 and then the incredibles 2 is like 120 yeah it's like you know they're they're touching on it uh i know um Encanto is 102 minutes, so it's just barely touching on almost being an hour and uh, uh, and two hours long. It's like uh, just like an hour forty. An hour forty, yeah. Yeah, like um, Ratatouille is like 111 minutes, so it's like almost two hours. Yeah, we just don't anime movies just don't get that. They don't. They truly don't, and it really is. it's upsetting because, like, there's so much to be said about animation that just makes it this beautifully evocative art form that, like, 
I, 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 we mentioned Ratatouille. There is a reason why Ratatouille did so well, and it's because of the color work in that fucking film. I have always made mention to my favorite scene in Ratatouille being when we, when Ego takes that first bite of Remy's Ratatouille, and it shoots back to him coming home from, you know, playing outside, and he's feeling sad, and his mother looks down at him, and she sits him down, and in front of him is a plate of her homemade ratatouille, and it comes back to his face again in the present day, and he's flushed, when Mm -hmm. before he had, like, gray pallid skin. The beauty of the color work in that film, and the beauty of, like, the animation style, and everything, and like, so many other films, just it would behoove them so much more to give just a little bit extra runtime to make them just that much more extra and just that much more special. Yeah, it the it, let me rephrase that. Western animated films West, don't, yes, get to be too, yeah, don't get to be no. two hours long. Yeah, because you have like Miyazaki movies are consistently like two hours long. Mm-hmm. Like Spirited Away and Mononoke are like over two hours. Yeah, and I think uh, the wind rises. Um, cat like fucking um, Howl's Moving Castle and Castle in the Sky are also really fucking long. Mm-hmm. Uh, Promare is almost two hours. It's hundred and twelve minutes. It needed to be longer because fuck, it's just <laughs> it's an entire show condensed into a movie. I would die for an entire anime for Promare. I would like, kill you can, me. <laughs> you can literally, you can literally feel where each sort of like four part. Four part, like basically the, the the show itself being broken up into four parts, and you can literally feel each of the four parts in this movie. Can that movie condense down into like the barest essentials? Yeah. Oh man, it's just and it's still hilarious. dicked around, and it's great, and I love it. I just want it's more still, of it, a, constant, uh, constantly. I know. I know. <laughs> this um, is me. This is Adrian crying over Promare again for the fiftieth time this week. <laughs> it's been zero days since Adrian has mentioned Promare. I love it. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, as far as Atlantis is concerned, the, again, it, it needed more time and it really does, it suffers from that third act problem. Um, but, and even then it, it takes, starts to take a dip around the second act. Like the second act is fine, mm-hmm. but it never is as good as that first act. Yeah. And it, it really does suck because when your first act is the best part. It really, it, it, it doesn't behoove the rest of the series um i have a bit of controversy about Mm -hmm. atlantis that i read into Mm. about it being a fucking ripoff of a fucking 1990 anime which is nadia the secret of blue water I have heard of Nadia and the Secret of Blue Water. Apparently, I, I have not watched Nadia. The animation is so beautiful from the stills I've seen. I cannot say one way or another how similar it is to Atlantis because it is a 39-episode series with a movie at the end of it. I wish I had the time. You look at the two main characters and you can kind of start to see what they're I talking about. I could kind about. of see what the, 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 the comp, the, the com- combination, yes. Oh no, um, they're in a submarine, there's a team and they're going down. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm, it's, I, it's, it's very similar and it's like, it's got, uh, similarities in terms of like plot line and structure, uh, characters a little bit. Um, it was so similar apparently, uh, that guy, the people at Gainax who who 
who manned the film and uh miyazaki uh uh, the film was concepted. The the film itself and like the anime was concepted by Miyazaki and directed by Ano. So you know mm. it's big. Um, Jesus Christ, I kind of want to watch this now. I do too. I really do. Actually, it's uh, it looks stunning. Um, it was so similar in pro- uh, like structure and design that people in Gainax were like asking for someone to like take Disney to court. I mean, <laughs> and, the, yeah, and, and like uh, a Gainax worker, uh, Hiroyuki Yamaga who had worked on Evangelion and Furikuri and directed an episode of Tengen Topa, uh, was actually said, uh, we had actually tried to get NHK to pick a fight with Disney, uh, but even the National Television Network of Japan didn't dare to mess with Disney and their lawyers. We, we, we actually did say that, but we wouldn't actually take them to court. We would be so terrified about what they would do to them in return, uh, what we wouldn't, so we just didn't dare. And I was just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like I, um, I really want to see this show now, I just for the also, fact that everything is so so similar. I, I I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but we have breaking news. Oh well. Uh, shows that are leaving HBO Max this week. Oh well. So go watch them right now. Uh, I'm I'm gonna, you know, talk about the ones that are actually good. Uh, okay. Go watch close enough. Go watch Mau Mau. Go watch Infinity Train. And for the love of all that is good and holy, go watch OKKO. Go watch OKKO. For the love of all that is good and holy, go watch OKKO. Please go simp for an evil doctor scientist that is purple. Thank you. Good night. Uh, that's, that's just a breaking news. If you have HBO Max and... Uh, want have been wanting to watch any of those shows? Go go watch that. Go do it now. Because um, <laughs> this you guys are coming off of HBO Max this week. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back uh, to Nadia. Uh, just this past year, uh, mm-hmm. the new uh, G Kids, uh, recently got the license for Nadia, and uh, that was in like April, I think, and literally the second of August this month released a 4K. Of Nadia in the blue water, so like we'll I, I I want to watch it really bad. I'm, I I'm mean, sh- I don't want to like say that they're incorrect in saying that it might did it took a lot from this movie, but it, honestly, I think it was just sort of like uh co- convergent evolution kind of convergent thing. evolution mainly because they were both inspired by the same sources. I. Yeah, e. Jules leagues. Verne yeah, and like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and yeah. all that shit. Like it's not like a hard. Yeah, um, I remember, I remember reading about this and be like, the guys who, uh, who worked on this, the Atlantis was like, we hadn't even heard of Nadia and the Secret of Blue Water by the time Atlantis was finished, and this only came to us as news after the fact, so, I, I, I trust that it is only, uh, like, they all just got the same inspiration and then they kind of covergently was like, oh, secret uh, society under the, under the waves and also crystals. Because, uh, yeah. Crystals, that's a th- magic crystals, that's a pretty, you know, whatever. It's a, it's it's a it's, pretty it's... common thing. And, like, there's also been mentioned that uh, Atlantis is taking a lot from Laputa, uh, the uh, yeah, castle I mean, in the sky. That, that's, that's fucking... Then you could say it's taking from literally anything that has a sort of magic ancient civilization, which is a lot of media. That's a lot of media, yeah. It's fucking, 
Every, like, literally every other Final Fantasy game. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> every other Final Fantasy and every fucking Tales, every other Tales of game or, like, pick your JRPG. Throw it, put a bunch of JRPG titles on the wall and throw a dart at it. You'll hit one that has an ancient magical civilization in it. There, yeah, there's like four and fucking uh, fourteen at least. They're, they're they're all stacked on top of each other like a Mariska doll. But, you're right. I'm not. You're correct, and I know even in your fucking limited like knowledge of fourteen stuff, just by like osmosis of listening to me bitch about this shit. I was just joking. You're not wrong. Is the problem. <laughs> It's like an onion. There's so many layers. Layers. So Ogres many. are like JRPGs. <laughs> layers. That's your new twiddle. Twi- twiddle. That's your new tw- Twitter handle. Uh, 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 the ogre of JRPGs. No, I'm not changing non-Newtonian gender fluid anytime soon. <laughs> Non-Newtonian gender fluid is too fucking good. It is very good, darling. <laughs> what is uh, the nuclear decay of your gender? Infinite. Uh, but anyway, um, I I like this movie a lot, uh, but it does... It suffers it is, from it, a lot of problems, uh, one yeah. of which being that... Uh, I realized a long time ago, and I don't know if you realized this as we were watching it again, or if you realized this a while before, mm-hmm. um, the white savior complex shit. Yeah, it's it's certainly got some issues, like, uh, a little bit. Like we, we have, like, we have he the, can he can read the language, but she can't. Yeah, and, and we it. have uh, Kashekim, uh literally turning to Milo, who. Uh, his daughter liked and was with his daughter at the time of her taking me like only you can do this and i'm just like he got here five hours ago mm-hmm. and yeah. it's it's certainly uh it certainly has got its problematic uh instances uh yeah. for sure for sure for sure there are but there are a lot of cool things mainly just from again from a just production side of things most Animated movies are super interesting from the production side of things, but, like, some of them more interesting than others. This one is mainly interesting for its, like, the the amount of effort it took to incorporate a lot of its computer-generated elements with its 2D elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think my most... The thing that interests me the most about this, this, this film specifically is how much work went into making Atlantean a language that not only makes sense grammatically, but it was developed by the man who made the Klingon language, Mark Okrand. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who know Klingon, it is complex. And very complex. uh, They had made uh, Atlantean to be like a mother language for all like Indo-European kind of languages. Um, and he made the language also a, a, trying to pronounce this correctly, I have it written down in front of me, Bostrophodon, which means it's designed to be read left to right on the first route line, and then left to right 
no, uh, left to right on the first line and then right to left on the second, continuing in a zigzag pattern to simulate the flow of water. I think that is so fucking cool. <laughs> you know what? something I didn't know was that there's the scene where Kida is talking with Milo and then when after the shoot, he sort of figures out that she can speak all the different languages. Uh, what all the Atlanteans are sort of like walking over and like speaking, you can hear a bunch of different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously, I recognize a couple of them. Like uh, apparently the, all the languages spoken in that scene were Spanish, French, uh, Thai, uh, and um, Hebrew. One of them was speaking Hebrew. Rad. Yeah, really cool. I I I'm I'm trying my hardest to learn Hebrew. I him him. Don't uh th- take it from me who uh enjoys learning languages just as like a pastime and also enjoys like languages without like Roman alphabets. Uh learn the alphabet before you try doing Duolingo. Um mm-hmm. Duolingo will not teach you the alphabet. Uh, so if you're, like, trying to learn Japanese, go and, like, practice uh, hiragana and katakana and, like, that kanji. stuff first. Pra- practice your fucking kanji. God, practice, Lord, help me. Learn, learn your characters. Learn your characters. Learn your fucking stuff. But, like, yeah, yeah Hebrew, they, they don't teach you uh, at all the, the, the languages and the sounds and the, like, the letters and what they are supposed to, like, yeah. be into. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like, Latin-based languages are so much easier to learn for people who speak English. Yeah, it's unfortunate, because I, I, I would love to learn more languages, truly. Uh, I would but... like to learn to love Spanish. Uh, Duolingo, Spanish. I'm not going to lie, is actually pretty decent for learning Spanish. I've learned quite a bit off, off of Duolingo. Uh, it's just you have to contest with that fucking owl. Mm-hmm. That man is going to kill me. <laughs> Double Espanol? No, I don't. <laughs> ah. I, I don't remember much of it when I was actually uh, learning it. I, 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 I know basic phrases, and I know how to ask where something is. Uh, like, I know how to, like, uh, ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Like, except, like, you know. I know uh, a little bit of French, because I had taken uh, a French elective in middle school. Uh, and uh, I only remember the stuff that I really cared about, which is how do I say my name is, uh, mm-hmm. and how to say Rainbow, because that's also a Japanese band. <laughs> hmm. Lock and seal. Uh, I think one of the most Im- the, the, one of the most important phrases you can learn in any language is, excuse me, where's the bathroom? Please, please, God, I need to poop so bad. Uh, Excusez-moi, um, es, es la sala de... Es, es la sala de... De ban? Ben? ben? ben. I forget. I for, ben? Is Ben? It's Ben. Yeah. I, I forget how to pronounce it in fucking French. Uh... What was it in Spanish? It was, um... ¿Dónde es... ¿Dónde está el baño? Baño, yeah. Yeah, excuse. Uh, excuse, señor. ¿Dónde está el baño? Ah, gracias. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. Um, 
anything else we want to say about Atlantis? Um, not that I can kind of come to my head. Uh, I do, I, I, I do, do want to say, um, we, we had made mention, uh, to Jim Varney at the start. He, who voiced Cookie. Um, right. he was unfortunately able, not able to like make it to see the entire production finished. He had lung cancer and he knew, he knew he wasn't going to be able to finish, you know, recording and finish, uh, being here, but he still wanted to really do it. Um, uh, but he did see some bits that they had finished at the time and they had, he had, was able to see some of the bits that he did, uh, animated and like completed. And I remember them saying very, very vehemently that he loved them. And it mm-hmm. breaks my heart that he wasn't able to finish the whole recording because, uh, who took up the mantle after he passed to, uh, um, voice it? I, what, I, what's his fucking, um, I believe it was mostly for, um, bits and pieces because Jim Farney got to do pretty much all the lines he needed. But for, like, the show, and I think, uh, well, show, air quotes, mm-hmm. um, they, uh, got, uh, okay, and I just, uh... I th- oh, Steve Barr. Yeah, Steve Barr, yeah. He finished it up at the end. Yeah, he finished it up, like, little bits and pieces here and there, and then did him for the made-for-TV movie slash pilot for a show that didn't happen that probably could have been good. Probably but... could have been good, but, uh, this the second film it's 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 the show could have been good it's just again it it felt like oh this is suffering from season one syndrome yeah like this could have been really cool but it just needed to find its footing it, it needed to find a good landing point and it just didn't yeah and it was never given the chance to find it and then disney was like we can make money off of this let's just slap it together and call it a movie fuck yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> but anyway. But yeah, that's all I have for Atlantis. Um, rest in peace, Jim Varney. Rest in peace, Lynn Nimoy. Rest in peace, David Ogden Styers, whom is one of my favorite voice actors in this like list of fucking things that uh, people have done. I love David Ogden Styers, and I will always love David Ogden Styers. He's fucking rules. Yeah. Yeah. Jumba Jukiba. Jumbo Jukiba and lots of other stuff too. Mm. That would be said, uh, uh, you know, let's just let's keep it moving. Yep, yep. Treasure uh, Planet. Right on to so, the next one. Uh, released. Treasure Planet. 2001? Uh, 2002, November 27th, 2002. It had to contend with, uh, Harry Potter 2, uh, The Chamber of Secrets, which, uh, Oof. just gonna say, fuck turfs. Uh, Die Another Day, and Santa Claus 2, which was another Disney-like property. So it, like, no, wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna do well. Also, it was, uh, also literally two days later after Treasure Planet was A Very Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, or A Very Muppet, Muppet Christmas Musical, not Christmas Carol. Very How Muppet you Christmas do this? Musical. Like, you, you just, it's like, you just, it's like a hard fuck you to this beautiful fucking film. Just took this. Just took him out to the shed, just like old Yeller. 
No, Paul, it's my fucking beautifully uh, animated uh, 3D, 2D masterpiece. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, Treasure Planet was um, directed by the legends John Musker and Ron Clemens with, screen, with screenplay by R- Clemens and Musker and Rob Edwards. Story by Clemens, Musker, uh, Ted Elliott, Tara Ro- and Terry Rocio. Uh, the voice cast was uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Mr. Jim Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Brian Murray as John Silver. David Hyde Pierce as Dr. Delbert Doppler. Emma Thompson as Captain Amelia. Martin Short as Ben. We'll get to him in a minute. We'll, we will uh, get to him. <laughs> Roscoe Lee Brown as Mr. Arrow. Laurie McCaff as Sarah Hawkins. Dane Davis as Morph. Michael Wincott as Scroop. Patrick McGuhan uh, as Billy Bones. Uh, uncredited Peter Cullen as Captain Nathaniel Flint. And my man, the one fucking man I will consistently like. It has this man in it. I'm watching it. Tony, Tony motherfucking J. You've seen Reboot, right? I have seen Reboot. Of course I've seen Reboot. It's got Tony J in it. I've seen the I've seen the H. H. Holmes fucking documentary that Tony J narrated. A it was because it's H. H. Holmes and H. H. Holmes it's interesting. But also B, it's Tony fucking J. Literally this man could read the dictionary to me and I would subscribe to it. Oddbuck. Yeah, just like that. Uh, for those who are, uh, unfortunately unaware, Tony J uh, was Monsieur d'Arc in Beauty and the Beast, and, uh, Sir Judge Claude Frollo in Hunchback of Notre Dame, where he had, uh, a big horny song and cried about it being a sin. Uh, a lot of people would also know him from, as we just mentioned, he was the villain of Reboot, aka mm-hmm. Megabyte. Uh, he also played Sheer Khan in the Tailspin show. Yep, not in the not not Sheer Khan in the film uh, Jungle Book, but in Tailspin the show, and also the sequel, The Jungle mm-hmm. Book Two. Uh, he was also in I Leg- want to, Legacy, Legacy of Kane, Legacy of Kane, and I think he was also in uh, Soul Reaver. Maybe I want to remember him as being in Soul it, Reaver. Probably because it was like part of the Legacy of. Kane. It, it was in the Legacy of Kane series. Yes. Uh, God, he, he was, was in um, so much. Uh, yep, Legacy of Kane, Colt, Soul Reaver. He was also he the played... lieutenant in Fallout, the original first Fallout. Right. I loved that line. Uh huh. I love. I love Tony J. <laughs> But yeah. I love, but I, it's me. I, I, I am the little kid uh, in the uh, the Chef Boyardee commercials. But it's like I love Tony J. <laughs> right. Uh, and then like, he's in a bunch of shit. He was also the narrator in Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, been in a bunch of video games. He was in a couple of the uh, King's Quest games. Yep, yep. If I remember correctly, he was um. He was in an episode of Darkwing Duck as, like, the Grim Reaper. Uh, he was also in the Mighty Ducks mm-hmm. cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so I could I could be here all day. 
uh, I, I would be here all day watching literally everything he's ever done. <laughs> I adore this man's chops. This man has the most chops. And, uh, you know, Peter Cullen, the man, the myth, Optimus Prime. Like, as much as I hate the the Bay movies, I'm still here for Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. Yeah. Cullen's such a fucking great job. He's... I love Peter Cullen. I just wish more people got to play Optimus. Yeah. Because, like, Corey Burton plays him in, uh... Animated. (laughs) (laughs) We just mentioned it. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is... And I'll probably mention this when uh, we talk about... You know, I'm going to say it now. Next episode, we're talking about Transformers Animated. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Transformers Animated with a friend of the show, uh, Jank Junkerton. Uh, uh, I'm J- going to mention this when Jank is on, but um, Corey Burton uh, was the voice of uh, Megatron in Beast Wars. Mm-hmm. And then he would go on to play Optimus and the, the fucking animated, which I think is really funny. Yeah, it's very funny. It just it makes me just want uh, Gary Chalk to play Megatron. Because <laughs> <laughs> Gary Chalk was uh, Optimus Primal. In Beast Wars. That would have been really good. I fucking... I, and I love Gary Chalk. Uh, but... Anyway. Uh, Treasure Planet... Um... Was basically... Musker and Clemens, like, sort of, like, love project. Because... Musker and Clemens are sort of famous for being the guys who, like... Started the Renaissance. They they worked on... They, they pitched the idea for The Little Mermaid... Mm-hmm. And, like, directed it, and then went on to subsequently direct several of the other Disney Renaissance films. Like, they are single-handedly a part of... The reason that we have all these nostalgic films... And they brought the concept of Treasure Planet and the Little Mermaid actually in the same meeting. Because essentially when... Um, I believe it was... a. This was an Eisner was in show, still yeah it was Michael Eisner, uh, he would do this thing called the Gong Show, mm-hmm. where essentially what he would do is he'd bring a bunch of the the writers into the room and they would like essentially get like a few minutes to pitch their idea until someone hit a gong. And John Musker and Ron Clements brought Treasure Planet, and The Little Mermaid to the exact same pitch meeting. He originally like Michael Eisner apparently rejected the original pitch because um. I believe Paramount Pictures at the time was working on a, a Star Trek sequel that was also supposed to be Treasure Island, even though yep. the movie actually never got made. Yep. Uh, and then they proceeded to like, keep pitching again over and over again every time at every subsequent meeting. Uh, uh, and then it was like uh, basically following the release of Aladdin, they had, mm-hmm. it was like the third time they had pitched it. And Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was the essentially the chief of Walt Disney Studios at the time, was like, eh, nah. <laughs> and then Clemens and Musker were like, okay, I'll tell you, we will do this next film, but you have to promise that we get to make Church of Planet. If you don't let us do Church of Planet, we will not do Hercules. Period. End of discussion. We're tired of this movie getting rejected. And Hercules was made, so... Mm-hmm. 
they the movie took like four year like four and a half years to make essentially and that was a lot of fucking work I, just just watching the film so yeah so so much was yeah. like put into it and i think a lot of the stuff that especially at the like last year like working simultaneously on atlantis and treasure planet all i a lot of the same like design people. like pe- a lot of the same people and a lot of the same um like programs probably were probably yeah, they used. were they both used um i believe it's called uh deep canvas mm-hmm. was the uh sort of um program that disney had created to sort of like integrate the uh, the 2d and 3d effects so that they would like mesh uh, well work, you know, mesh well and work smoothly together uh, uh and uh honestly at, at when I think when Musker and Clemens are asked about that movie, Treasure Planet, later, they were kind of like, honestly, it was kind of a blessing. We kind of got to make it later than we originally planned because the delay allowed technology to kind of come along. Because you you mentioned earlier the thing with Atlantis, how, like, that movie couldn't have been made until, like... Much later. Because I did want to be made, like, much earlier. Like, they had uh pitched it uh quite much earlier before like it was actually made but like just it, everything wasn't mm-hmm. fucking forward thinking enough so yeah the same happened with Musker and Clemens but mm-hmm. the delay in production uh like technology got to develop and um mainly because a lot of the thing some of the things they really wanted to do in the film were like uh do Lots of camera movements, like in Spielberg or like Cameron films. So uh, there was a, there had to be like a, I, I remember when we watched the making of Atlantis, they mentioned specifically the sort of like um, how the use of that camera angle and multiplane shifting within animation was relatively new uh, in the making of that film, mm-hmm. uh, especially because that film was also filmed in widescreen. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, essentially, the film it began production like two thousand, and it were it was like there were like three hundred and fifty or so people working on it. Uh, but by the end of production, there were over a thousand. Yeah, well over. Uh, like computer artists, uh, one hundred and fifty musicians, tech tech people, uh, that sort of thing. Um, there was a lot of, like, uh, a lot of the concept art early on came from, like, sort of, like, their early pitches, so they mm-hmm. had a lot to work with in terms of, like, their early pitches, but it took them a while to sort of find the, uh, visual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, at first, they wanted it to be more sci-fi, and there was no, none of the, uh, the really cool, uh, mixing of the, uh, traditional in the, the sci-fi yeah yeah because honestly that's one of the coolest things about this movie yeah uh i believe uh it was called the 70 30 law right. uh i believe the art director andy gaskill had credited this to ron clemens fucking idea and the overall look as the film's artwork should be 70 percent traditional and 30 percent sci-fi which gives us this really nice warm uh, warm painterly feel and a nice warm color palette. So it's less, it, it looks a lot more bronze than, you know, space age fucking chrome. Right. 
I, I think that really lended itself to like this film as a whole because if it were just all like fucking shiny silver, sci-fi, yeah, it would it it wouldn't be as compelling as it is because it has that like you see the traditional garb but you also see cool fucking laser guns and it just it, it's that look like flintlocks it, yeah it's a nice interesting like dichotomy the, the the so i think one of the coolest things that i is the solar sails like that's that that cool is so shit. rad like we have made we were watching this uh again in the group chat that we're in and uh, we had looked to our, our friend Scarlet, who is the uh, dungeon master for our, uh, our D&D game that both you and I are in. And we both like turned over and everyone's like, so I have an idea for the, de- for the, the ship design we want. <laughs> that solar sail, baby. We want that solar sails, baby. And, I mean, I imagine a lot of the ports in Sky Pirates still look like that one port in mm-hmm. Treasure Planet. Like, I want to play in the Treasure Planet universe. like yeah. universe. Honestly, a I think little you bit. could. <laughs> you could probably like certainly put like uh, a, a a concept and design work for like a D and D campaign in that kind of universe for sure. For sure. Yeah, or you could play a. Um, a modified version of some sort of sci-fi tabletop game. Mm, maybe Rift. No, Rift is too chunky. Rift is Rift is so crunchy. Oh, maybe, I don't um, even know how I played Rift. I'm so terrible at math. Uncharted Worlds, maybe. Uncharted Worlds, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I, uh, a discussion I, I, for one, another, a discussion for another time. For yeah, sure. the one like sci-fi space age uh, tabletop game I played was Rifts, and it's yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and then you got Starfinder, which I mean is sci-fi Pathfinder. Pathfinder is crunchy. I, I did my time in the three point five mines. You can't make me go back. You can't make me go back. I've done it already. You can't do it to me. <laughs> um, I do have a, like a shit ton of trivia, but I think we can just talk about like the film, like as it stands, and then I can just sort of like rattle off all this fucking trivia I got I, about it. I, um, I I would love that. Uh, that being said, I also like. I have in my head a bunch of trivia for this film because I was that kid uh, who watched the visual commentary and like mm. the actual like audio commentary tracks oh, for these too. films. I I am not only a that person just for animated films. I do that with other films too, like live, just normal fucking films. Like I watched the audio commentary for hard candy, which is one of the top three films in my top three film ratings. It Mm -hmm. is like hard candy is quite often, uh, in that like little, like three lineup. And I remember, especially for hard candy, like one of my favorite little bits about that is that, uh, Elliot page had to have one of his lines dubbed over, because he's Canadian. And so while he's saying, oh, I'm going to email your girlfriend and tell her about all this. He says a boot. <laughs> and they had to a dub boot? that over. <laughs> this a poor boot? this poor young man <laughs> in, in, in this fucking film. And it's like, I, I gotta have that fucking overdub. Because I keep saying a boot. Because <laughs> I'm Canadian. Uh, God bless so, Elliot Page. We trust, we love, we love trans masks. <laughs> we love trans masks in this fucking house. Oh boy! Just a boot. That's one of my favorite little beats of trivia about that fucking film. It's it's so good. Yeah, but um, 
this film, much like Treasure, like much like the uh, much like Treasure Planet, much like Atlantis, <laughs> suffers from it suffers from it less than Atlantis does, but it has a different problem. Where Treasure Planet has a really good first act, a really good second act, and just takes a absolutely fucking hard nosedive in the third act. Yeah, I. I, for a very long time, and, and I still kind of am, I, I think that the only reason that it took such a bad no-dive is because of Ben. And for a long, long time, I was, like, a, a hard, like, Ben isn't that bad. And I still think this. I think that while he is not the greatest, especially, like, I uh, rewatching it, I'm just like, wow, you know what? Uh, everybody else is right. <laughs> it's not he the just... greatest. He he is uh, consistently a, a problem for the cast, and it is very. He does very little, except for that little last bit at the end, and where as he's talking about it, the bomb goes off, and it's just like, you know what? We could have fucking learned this. As we were fucking, like, beforehand, and maybe we'd have been a little bit, like, smarter about things, but no, we, we had to fucking set off the booby trap. You serve absolutely no narrative purpose whatsoever. It's like, we already, this movie didn't need a third comedic side character. Yeah, we already had uh, Doppler, who is a combination of Dr. Livesey and Squire Trelawney from the original Treasure Island uh, uh, story. Yeah. Um, and then we have Morph. Who is uh, the co- comparable to Silver's parrot. pet parrot in the Treasure Island. Which, I mean, it's fun fun idea of, like, the parrot, whole the idea where the parrot is like, oh, it copies you. Mm-hmm. It's like, just, you know, so it's like, oh, that, that that's fun. That's a fun idea. That, that, little, that's like, charming. You know. It's charming. Um, Schwartz energy. I love Schwartz. Schwartz just, that's that's a joke just for us. But um, uh, Schwartz is uh, for the uninitiated the uh, the cute little mascot character in the Curse of Strahd game that I run. Uh, about, it's 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 supposed to be every week. It's been a little less than every week lately because I've been it's wanting been, to it's do. Cons- it's been consistent. I, I I try to keep a consistent schedule. That is my one like thing I want to do as a dungeon master is to be consistent because if every time every time where it's like oh I don't want to anymore right now. It's just gonna fucking fall to pieces. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so it's like so. Let's introduce this third fucking side character who not only uh has whose introduction has to sideline another really cool character. Yeah, Doppler. but also sideline this other comedic relief character Doppler. Yeah, who we've actually grown to like over the course of the movie, unlike Ben. Yeah, like. And the the cool character being uh, Amelia Smollett, which, uh, fun fact, oh god, madam, 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 uh, fun fact, uh, her her actress, Dame Emma Thompson, Mm -hmm. she was knighted, um, was pregnant (laughs) during the fucking production when she was, like, uh, voicing her lines and so she was like she had made uh like a, a comment it was like i'm so happy i could do all this action and not have to train for this part and i'm just like oh you're so cute <laughs> you're so cute i mean also 
apparently in the original her original design she was supposed to have black hair as opposed to red yeah um but yeah Millie, Captain Millie is fucking I love her but in the third <laughs> act she gets sidelined so we can have Ben Ben yeah and that that is certainly uh young young baby Adrian who was still you know learning the ways and realizing oh I am unattracted to women uh, who was interested in Amelia, didn't understand fully the bullshit that was sidelining Amelia, and now as an adult, and also being like, oh, I like women, uh, being like, man, it really blows that Amelia got sidelined, because she's so hot. Mm-hmm. She's so hot, she's so cool, she has a great design. Great design, absolutely acerbic wit, love that. Love a woman who can kick my ass. Just quote Spike Spiegel. That, that my my gen, my gender preference is uh I love a man uh you're stupid I like that in a man and I love a woman who can kick my ass that's my gender preference and I'm both <laughs> God bless <laughs> I love you darling <laughs> I love you too all right we can't be fucking that gay on this fucking podcast we haven't been we gay can. at all no but I mean we can be gay off podcast we can be gay later <laughs> um but anyway. The, um, and, and Ben, it's in a vacuum. I don't hate Ben. And I'm one of those people that tries to, like, be less mean towards, like, these quote-unquote characters that most people consider annoying. Like, I don't actually hate Jar Jar Binks all that much. I don't either. I, I, think I really Jar Jar... don't hate Scrappy-Doo all that much. I, I can't say that for me. <laughs> no, Scrappy blows. Scrappy the... blows hard goats. Uh, I don't like Snarf, though. No. I, I, I kind of like Snarf, but I also haven't seen fucking... Thundercats? I haven't seen Thundercats in so long. I'm so old. And then, like, I also don't hate Orko from He-Man. I liked Orko. Or the fucking the monkey bird from Pirates of Blackwater. There's a fucking pull. That is a pull, goddamn. Uh, or, you know, etc. Insert quote character that people consider annoying from an old show or movie or whatever. Yeah. I, 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 again, in a vacuum, I don't mind Ben. But when I'm watching this movie, I'm just so, like, I, I hate him. I hate yeah. him so much. And he, I don't want to hate him. He, he, he could have been so much cooler had he not been, like... So goddamn incompetent. Mm-hmm. Like this is a a robot, and yes, he's been fucking marooned for thousands of years. But like, a robot shouldn't decay that tragically. Mm-hmm. And it really uh, shows itself that they just wanted to be like, oh, we need another quirky guy because... Marketable. Market, heart. We love that. We love marketing, heart. We need another genie character. Like, look, you can't, you can't, you cannot bottle Rob Williams. You can't. Ah? Ah? You know what? I That wasn't intentional, but yeah, sure, bet. <laughs> genie in a bottle? Uh... You got it, baby. <laughs> Yeah, no, you cannot, like, contain the 
fucking genius that was Rob Williams and like try to make it in another fucking character. It, it just doesn't fucking happen. Especially when it's not Robin Williams. Especially when it's not Robin Williams. Let's be fucking like, real. Listen, I don't, I don't mind Martin Short. He's a very funny man. Very, very good actor. But not, this ain't it, man. This, this, this ain't it, champ. Now, with my biggest problem out of the way, everything else about this movie is great. Yeah, I I, I love the design. Like they had cool alien designs. They had yeah, like interesting the like cool. fucking like side characters, like the little fucking scraggly little the the, the 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 pirate who was just a head and arms. That fucking so weird. What the or fuck? like the the what flatula the guy. The slug I love with the, the weird... I love the fl- I love your fa- I love your flatula slug. I love you uh, so much. Mr. Arrow or... Mr. Arrow was so good. Arrow and Scroop were such good foils for one another. Like, you have the cold, cruel, calculating, like, maniacal fucking Scroop, and the equally cold and uh, just, like, so stern and strict Arrow was so fucking cool. One might say he was straight as an arrow. I beat you. That, the, that's the, the pun. Uh, Scroop, if I'm recalling correctly, is an analog to Israel hands in Treasure Island. I believe so. Yeah, it's also known as Basilica hands. It's been too long since I've read Treasure Fucking Island. Yeah, I read it many times, but yeah, it has been um yeah, uh, it, too long. It was it was not one of the ones that I was assigned in school. I unfortunately was assigned fucking uh lord of the flies and uh i uh will never stop bitching about how much i hate lord of the flies lord of the mm-hmm. flies sucks as a book i uh i hope that uh anyone who enjoys the book um recovers swiftly even mm-hmm. gg uh i hope you get better soon yeah um the um but the best thing in this movie is fucking <sighs> Long John Silver. <laughs> that character made so many little queer kids understand so much about themselves. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's there's something for everybody in Treasure Planet because uh, there's Amalia and also John Silver. Because Silver has always been a very complicated, morally gray character in every iteration of his character. Yeah. This is the best version of his character. He really is. And I I remember a while back we were doing doing a tier list for Disney antagonists. And I argued so strongly for Silver to be number one. I I could see where you were coming from. I, but like I I think we we, no, land... we, we, we don't have to have the discussion again. We, but yes, like, but we did land on Ursula, if I recall correctly. We did. It was Ursula, and uh, then Silver was like second. Yeah, Silver was second, but Urs like Ursula is so fucking cool. Like she's based off of a drag queen. She's got she's big. She's voluptuous. Mm, ma'am <laughs> and then the the coolest thing about silver is again he's he's one of the most like complicated 
antagonists we've ever had in a Disney film. For real. Uh, I, like, th- th- I can't it, think of another Disney film with a mo- with a villain or antagonist that's sort of, like, act- genuinely complicated and multi-layered. Every other Disney villain is like, there's nothing wrong with just a good old, I'm evil and I like being evil Disney villain. Sometimes we like that here. See uh, Ursula. See Ursula, we just made mention. See Ursula, see Radigan, or Captain Hook, or etc, etc. Insert your villain, you know. Your villain of preference and choice. Your villain of preference and choice. Uh, but, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, I want, um... I, 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 I am in the same camp. I, I, Jesus. There is so many layers to John Silver's onion. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like on one hand, you, it's like, okay, yeah, on one hand, he's a fucking pirate and he's leading a mutiny and he's, uh, uh, the lying bare fucking teeth to you know jim and he's like saying oh yeah i know you're you're fantastic and on the other hand he's like i'm in the fucking quarters you know talking to the crew be like i said that shit just to make him you know trust me more and at either given time you don't know which one is the real truth and i think Mm. that is so interesting about john silver and also he is the Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> I mean, at the end, though, he does... He does immediately, like, be like, no, this is... He is genuine, and it's... He's genuine, like, at the very end, when he has the choice of, like, this treasure that he's been searching for his entire life and saving Jim. He hesitates, but he gives up the treasure to save Jim. Oh, it's just his... a lifelong obsessing, Jimbo. I'll get over it. Yeah, I'll get over it. His relationship with Jim and basically the entire, like, through line of Jim and Silver, Jim's character arc and his relationship with Silver and Silver as a whole, the sort of, like, emotional through line of the film is not even close the best aspect of it. It, um, there are very few... Disney films that have that good of an emotional through line, I think that, like, Lilo and Stitch is the only one that's better. Yeah. And honestly, it kind of sucks because, like, if Treasure Planet had stuck that landing on that third act, it could have been one of the greats. It really could have. Uh, we made mention to Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch was literally, uh, fucking that june june 2020 june 2002 and then treasure planet yeah i i can't get into lilo and stitch because i will if i start talking about lilo and stitch i'll just get into lilo and we'll stitch. just and keep going into, we're going to the so we're going to the lilo and stitch deep mode <laughs> we've had two we've had too many tributaries in this fucking podcast about other episodes what do you, what happens we have two people with ADHD on the same goddamn episode. ADHD on the same episode who both really, really, really love this era of Disney. Yeah, but we'll talk about Lilo and Stitch another time. Um, but Treasure Planet, I think, has a lot of merit. And it stands... It's, it stands above 
It stands higher than I think people give it credit for. It, it has a lot of it has a lot to like, but it it really is let down by that third act. At least until the climax, because the climax mm-hmm. is really good too. It's just like it really is just that that third act leading up to the climax that just lets it down, and it's yeah. really sad. It, it it's yeah, it certainly has, uh, and it's frustrating to say the very least. Um, I am kind of wondering if we are going to this year uh much like last year uh disney did with uh atlantis um it's not yet november it's not yet the 27th yet and so i'm wondering if this year uh disney is going to give a happy 20th year anniversary to this film as well listen i'm still over here being like Come on, Treasure Planet Kingdom Hearts World. <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> I've been wanting it for so fucking long. It would be rad. Um, do we have anything else to say before I get into like this uh, trivia? I don't think so. Uh, give it to me, babe. Okay, so... Several changes were made late in the production of the film. The prologue of the film was actually originally an adult Jim mm-hmm. narrating the story of Captain Flint in first person. But the crew considered it to be a little too dark and felt that it lacked character involvement. The character also intended the crew also intended for the film to include a sequence showing Jim working on his solar surfer and interacting with an alien child, which was intended to show Jim's more sensitive side and as an homage to Catcher in the Rye. Because of the intention to begin the film with the scene of Jim solo surfing, the sequence had to be cut. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah, along with uh, actually, this is IMDb. Uh, along with Moana, this is the only movie directed by Ron Clemens and John Musker that uh, didn't feature Frank Welker in it. Hmm. I didn't this actually is, know that. This is also the first movie for John Musker and Ron Clemens that received a PG rating by the MPAA, and it had been only the only one rated as such until. Moana. <laughs> uh, this movie and The Great Mouse Detective are the only Walt Disney animation movies directed by John Musker and Ron Clemens that aren't musicals. The Great Mouse Detective is also one of my favorite films. Even though it doesn't have a musical number, but it's not a musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, a planned sequel was canceled due to the movie's failure at the box office, and when John uh, Lasseter was appointed CEO of Walt Disney Animation Studios, his first task was to cancel all the sequels and television shows. In the proposed uh, sequel, Jim Hawkins and Kate, his love interest and classmate from the Interstellar Academy, has to team up with Silver to stop the villainous Captain Ironbeard from freeing the inmates of Botany Bay Prison Asteroid. And Ironbeard was going to be apparently voiced by Willem Dafoe. That would have actually really fucked, because Willem Dafoe always does fantastic villains. Yeah, the, the human characters are hand-drawn. John Silver's cyborg leg, arm, and eye, and the robot Ben are flat-rendered CGI. The ship was created using Disney's, as I mentioned earlier, uh, deep canvas process in some scenes, allowing all three types of animation to not only appear, but interact simultaneously as opposed to be layered on top of each other. Yeah. This is the first Disney movie in which the maquettes, small character reference sculptures, were not made entirely out of clay. Silver cyborg parts were made from plastic using laser technology. 
when Jim and Dr. Doppler arrive at the spaceport, they get directions from two characters using a letter. These characters are caricatures of John Musker and Ron Clements. Yep. Uh, Alan Silvestri uh, left the movie to work on Lilo and Stitch, which was also which also was known to be worked on by Chris Sanders. The company then wanted James Newton Howard, who had conducted and recorded all of his music scores in less than five months for this movie. So, yeah, good job, Mr. James Newton Howard, for composing this entire soundtrack within five months. God bless. Uh, I do know for, uh, with regards to, like, silver stuff, I think they went to, like, antique shops for, like, yeah, old, they went to antique shops, like, they also, old like... little toys to make the sound effects to make it, like, not so, so that it didn't sound too slick or sci-fi. Yeah, they also, um, when they were uh, animating the scene of him, like, you know, working in the kitchen... They apparently based off a lot of his motions off of, uh, they went to a Benihana, apparently. <laughs> and watched the guy work at the Teppanyaki uh, Grill. You know what? I, I Having been to Hibachi Grills, because uh, I used to go to uh, one in Cincinnati called Kabuto's uh, like almost every year for my birthday, because it was a little bit more on the expensive side, but it was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the plates were fucking huge. You got your money's worth for sure. Right. Uh, but yeah, those, I, I can see it now with the uh, the design work and the the, the motions. I've I was always wrapped at attention with the uh, the chefs there, and now I can see why I liked Silver's like intro so much because just the same. So here's one that uh, I'm gonna end on, and this is related to Silver. So Glenn Keane, the legendary Glenn Keane, was um. Silver's, like, main animator. He was the character animator for him. Uh, and when he was animating Silver, he was inspired... Uh, the, the line that Silver says, uh, you've got the makings of greatness in your speech to Jim, uh, was inspired by a real-life thing that happened to Glenn Keane when he was 17 years old. Aww. When he was 17... Uh, hold on, this is a quote. I was 17 years old, and I had been fighting for a starting position on the football team as a halfback. And there was another player who was competing for the same position. And he was a heck of a lot bigger and the head coach's favorite guy. I worked really hard, and I got the starting position on this game and was very proud of it. The game started, and I played three plays and got the ball once. Then the head coach took me out and put the other guy in for the rest of the game. I never played again. I was crushed. As a 17-year-old, that's your life. You want your chance to shine. I had it, but the coach took it away. Afterwards in the parking lot, the assistant coach, Mickey Ryan, a great guy with with his heart on his sleeve and a twinkle in his eye, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Glenn, you're going to do great things. You're going to get that starting position. That wasn't right what happened. And all I could see, and I could see that he really cared. There were tears in his eyes, and I started to cry too. I lived that scene with Jim and Silver on the boat when Silver encourages him after a big setback. It was one of those things when you try to animate and you've lived through and hope you can even get close to that actual moment. That's very fucking profound, Jesus Christ. Mm hmm. Uh, is the man, the myth, the legend for a reason. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I do... There's one thing about Treasure Planet that I know is absolutely whack. Like, absolutely whack. Mm. 
and that's its fucking video game. I've played it. I've never played it. I've been wanting to, like, look at it. It's, it's supposed to be so fucking convoluted with this real-time strategy, it is, isn't it? It is it's very like, convoluted as a, as a fucking... I don't know how old I was when that game was. I never beat it. <laughs> yeah, like, it came out October 31st in 2002. Um... So I'm just like sitting here, like I want. It's got. It, it, it is a a, a real ta- real time battle, uh, for space with spaceships, and uh, it takes five place. It takes place five years after the events of Treasure Planet. Jim's graduated, and uh, he's becomes commander on an Imperial Compulsory ship, and he patrols various sectors of the Ethereum in Her Majesty's Empire. Uh, and it, it is in process of negotiating peace with the Prakions, uh, uh, the raccoon-like warriors that have been at war with the Empire for centuries. They send a diplomatic fleet and uh, for peace talks, but a bizarre and almost unstoppable iron ships named, named the Ironclads wreak havoc in Imperial territory, and pirate raids are constant. Uh, I think it's kind of like the only thing that kind of like lends itself to the sequel that they wanted to do. Yeah, but it does it's whack, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's really, really convoluted. It's convoluted the story actually isn't that great. It's it's whack and it's unfortunate. But um that's Treasure Planet. Yeah. And that's that's the that's the show. That's um, the show. That's the show. If you enjoyed the show, uh, wherever you're listening to this, please Rate and review. I crave, 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 crave that sweet, sweet validation. <laughs> um, and if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at uh, acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Can I get that email one more time? Uh, that's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com. Uh, you yep. can also find us on Twitter at inkpodcast. That's I-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. Uh, and you can find us on Tumblr at acmepodcast.tumblr.com. That's acmepodcast.tumblr.com. Mm-hmm. That's how you can get in touch with the show. But if you want to get in touch with us as individuals, Adrian, where can people find you? Uh, I am at Miriam Toxin on Twitter. Uh, we had to, re- like I said last time, I had to remake. Uh, please be nice to me. I am so, so baby. I'm so intensely baby. Please be nice. Uh, but that's me. Niriam is uh, N E R I U M T O X I N. I have an Instagram. I don't use it much. It, it's kind of defunct. Yeah, you can find my art if you want to find it uh, at Toxin Art. Uh, I have a brand. I have a brand. I do have a brand. If you want to find me and play video games with me, you can find me on Final Fantasy XIV under Oleander Greystone uh, on the Crystal Data Center. With the data center uh, travel being open, uh, if you play in the north, if you play in uh, North America, like the North America data centers, you can come and find me and hang out with me. I'm uh, I've got everything to ninety. <laughs> we'll go running. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor. That's k a i j u underscore e m p e r o r. You can also find me on Tumblr at kaiju dash emperor, spelled the exact same way, and that's retweets, reblogs, things I just genuinely, generally like. But if you want anything original from me, or if you just like Dungeons and Dragons and/or tabletop games, I also have a side blog on Tumblr called Kai's Tome, 
that's K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E, uh, where you can check out me reblogging homebrew stuff and or posting my own homebrew stuff. Also, if you go to my Tumblr, uh, there's a pin post uh, where if you want to commission me to write something, uh, those commissions are open. Uh, uh, but that is, uh, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time, as I mentioned earlier, we will hopefully be joined by a new guest, our good friend uh, Janky Junkerton. Uh, who Junkerton, J. Junker. J. J. Junk, however you want to say it, who will be joining oh. me to talk about Transformers Animated. We I see lo- you then, guys. I love my Bye. nephew. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bye. Bye-bye.